well, what is the foundation, the best foundation for a truly like adventurous, fulfilling life? And, you know, that's going to mean some different things to different people. But I know in our case, like, and we think there's a really strong case to be made for it's, it's training, it's functional training, you know, it's not, and it's not bodybuilding and it's not, you know, endurance racing, you know, it's, it's functional training, this, this methodology that prepares you for basically anything that life is going to throw your way. And what, what better um, application for that than adventure in the great outdoors. Welcome to the Driving Force Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Chase Rosa. In this podcast, I'll be unraveling the stories of high performers across sports, business, and wellness. By presenting their stories, uncensored and uncut, I hope to inspire you to take a step back, look within, and evaluate your path and journey. Today's guests are brothers Shane and Josh Rogers, co-founders of RPM Training. Founded in 2012, RPM was born out of the idea that legit, Purposeful functional training is a foundation for a truly full and adventurous life. It all started with jump ropes. Shane and Josh began noticing the frustration their fellow gym members were having over completing the dreaded double under jump rope workout. They scoured the market for the best jump ropes out there, only to find critical flaws in everyone they tried. So they took it upon themselves to build a jump rope unlike any other. In addition to jump ropes, the company also recently announced the launch of Atom, a first of its kind virtual functional training program. Adam members get an unparalleled at-home workout experience through a combination of the best coaching, the right gear, and the power of community. Personally, it's something I'm super excited about, and I can't wait to hop on the platform. In this interview, we delve into their backgrounds and relationship as brothers, the genesis of RPM, the reinvention of the jump rope, the Adam platform, and their annual 10K challenge. And so, without further ado, my interview with Shane and Josh Rogers. Well, guys, thanks for thanks for coming to the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this Glad is my first. Yeah, this is my first uh, interview with two two guests. So this is exciting. <laughs> nice, <laughs> setting records already. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> so uh, I want to start this one off uh, with just like a quick background and origin story for both you guys. So, like, where'd you both grow up? Uh, we both grew up since we're brothers in Los Gatos, California, um, Northern California, a little town just on the other side of the hill from Santa Cruz. Um, we split our time largely between Santa Cruz and Los Gatos. Um, but yeah, that, that was, uh, we were lucky to be raised there. Nice. So you haven't really strayed too far from home. <laughs> We've left for stents and yeah. it pulls us back. <laughs> for the yeah. reasons we were just talking about it's it's a pretty magical place yeah and were you guys both like physically active really into sports adventure etc as kids yeah um we both were into sports um obviously we did a lot of the traditional stuff um i did martial arts growing up actually that was my main love affair although i snuck in a little bit of soccer and football along the way as well um and then we we sort of Shane and I played some our sports sort of overlapped but where they really overlapped in our love of like snowboarding and mountain biking and action sports and outdoors like that's always been there as well um but yeah growing up it was the traditional stuff some martial arts and then snowboarding mountain biking etc 
Shane's more competitive than me, though. So he only played <laughs> the sports he could win at. <laughs> which, which, which was most of them. Which okay. was most of them. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't win at memorizing the forms for karate, so that's why I <laughs> fell off that track. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was karate, Josh. They were really into uh, taekwondo and kung fu, kind of a mix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. After okay. years of asking to finally stop, my parents reluctantly gave in, and Josh did too. And the the consolation was I started wrestling kind of around that same point and it had all the physicality and competitiveness that I liked in the martial arts without the memorizing of the forms and being on stage by myself. (laughs) (laughs) That part wasn't so hard for me. I I went all the way through high school and then into college and then dabbled in kickboxing and Aikido and a little jujitsu. And now my kids both do jujitsu heavily. So Ah, that's awesome. I love it. I love jujitsu. That's like one of my main things. I've done it for like six years, a little over six oh, years nice. now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's awesome. I love love to see kids doing it too. Totally. It's been great. My I have four kids and um I don't know if we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but my two boys are really into it. That's their main love affair. And and uh my daughter, my older daughter, also did it for like five years, but now she's superseded that with ballet. So she's not quite as into that anymore. But yeah, jujitsu is great. Yeah. I have a, my oldest is a five-year-old and he just started at the same studio that Josh's two, his two cousins go to. And they're excited. Even last night, Josh, they pulled, they pulled out their card out and he saw Ben and Nolan's name next to him in the card. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, who's the older brother? <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> Thank you for asking. That would be me. <laughs> by by eight and a half years okay <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i don't know <laughs> I don't never want to assume right right <laughs> yeah, yeah never want to yeah. assume uh did you guys have a good like relationship growing up yeah i mean it was hard to fight with a three-year-old when you're 11 so it's not like we uh that's true yeah. battled a whole bunch right so i i basically was kind of a third parent um you know and then i went to college and then Shane Court is sort of like grew up and then we just saw each other out on breaks and that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden the age gap just closes, you know, as you get older. So there's like a few periods where you start to really feel like the same age. I think one was graduating college. Like all of a sudden I felt, and I was working full-time, Josh was working full-time that age gap felt like it closed. And then maybe the biggest one is having kids so I have three, three little ones and Josh has four, not so little ones anymore. Um, but as soon as you cross that boundary, it's like, oh, we're the same age. <laughs> I started to go gray at a rapid, more rapid rate. <laughs> Nobody can ever tell who's older. Same yeah. struggle, same age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so as you guys like both got older and into college, like what did you both think you wanted to do for like a career and like doing life, like, and, and all that? I, I always kind of gravitated towards building things, even like at a really young age, whether it be, um, you know, like making, making things in the garage. I always took wood shop and metal shop at like a really young age. I was like a TA at a, uh, in my wood shop class, like really, really early on at a point where I probably shouldn't have been a TA. And then that translated into a really amazing program we had at our high school that was, um, it was called CAD CAM, but basically computer-aided design and computer-aided manufacturing. 
And that was, this was really early. I mean, for any listeners out there that want to geek out on that, this is like Autodesk R12, like really early before 3D modeling software really existed. And I had exposure to that when I was maybe like 12. So that gave me like a really more extensive like list of tools to make things immediately by having access to this really amazing equipment. And then that I kind of just followed that path and just kind of pulled on that string through college and then post-college and gravitated more towards engineering and then into product design. Okay. Um, for Josh. me, I, yeah, I grew up loving art and drawing and design and making things as well, but in a less technical sense than Shane kind of gravitated towards. So um, I actually started college as a graphic design major, um, but I really missed the physicality of all of my sports that I was doing in high school. And I, and I was somewhat fascinated. I actually tore my ACL in high school and rehabbed it and was kind of fascinated by that whole process. So got interested in like exercise science and physical education and just a year and a half into college, switched my major from design to um, exercise science basically. And so I just continued with that major. And so I ended up, um, you know, graduating with the bulk of like most of like the sort of pre-med background classes and stuff through exercise science. But I have always like sort of kept that love of design and art and that kind of thing. So I, I was eventually able to put them both to use when I opened my gym, but um, that's kind of where I, where I started. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, getting into that um, on our intro call, you guys mentioned that your professional backgrounds were like the perfect combination to build RPM, the, your current company. So prior to RPM, like what did you guys end up doing for work? I followed kind of a traditional engineering route. So graduated, um, went to work for a big technology company, ended up leading um, a, big, a big medical device company and then leading engineering teams there. And then still allowing myself to be really creative and hands-on, um, worked really more on the R&D side and bringing new products to market. Um, and then from there, uh, kind of spanned off and started my own design consultancy. Uh, and really the, the reason there was, there were a lot of ideas, a lot of concepts that we wanted to kick around and just see what stuck. And it made the most sense to just kind of break off. It was at a nice pivot point in my life where I had the ability to do that and um, see if any one of those things stuck and RPM has stuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I worked in the fitness space out of college and then just always really wanted to do my own thing. And so I had, I was working at a few different places and just saw kind of an opportunity to, um, really like pre boutique fitness craze, you know, like get into that, that field. And so I opened like a personal training circuit training, human performance, gym um before really anyone knew what crossfit was and then when i discovered crossfit personally i just changed it to a crossfit affiliate immediately and and sort of reinvented it pretty early in the game um into more of a functional training space as opposed to more of a traditional fitness space um and then i think that whole time i was building a brand i was building a, a local brand of my gym and 
and designing t-shirts for the gym and, you know, putting sort of my love of design together. And I think Shane also, he's super creative too. And so we have like this overlap in the design sense where we really have a yeah. lot of the same pace and we have a lot of the same approaches on that kind of stuff. But I bring the fitness and training side to the table. And then he brings that manufacturing and, um, you know, engineering side to the table. Yeah. Yeah. You, you must've been pretty, like pretty early in terms of like a CrossFit affiliate. I, I assume it was probably also in California, right? Um, where you had mm -hmm. the CrossFit gym, you must've been pretty like one of the early ones I would, I would guess. Yeah. I don't actually know the number, but I think maybe top 500 in the world or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. A question for, for both of you, like looking back on your professional experiences prior to RPM, like what are some of the biggest like lessons you learned or, or takeaways from your, your time at like your previous experience, like Josh running the, running, running the CrossFit, the CrossFit gym and, you know, Shane from your time at the medical company and the, the design, uh, firm, like what are some of the biggest lessons and kind of takeaways? One of the biggest things when I started at the company that I started at, which happened to be Gore, most people probably know it as Gore-Tex, like the waterproof fabric, especially, um, if you live in a place where it rains more than it does in California. Um, okay. Yeah. But they have, when I started, they were actually Fortune's fourth best company to work for. And one of the main reasons is they have an incredible culture. They had an amazing culture and they still have an incredible culture. And they really like entrust the individual um, coming in, even like right out of school, um, being totally novice, junior coming in. And they trust you to kind of find your path within the organization and figure out how you can contribute in the most beneficial way to the organization as a whole. And by kind of giving you a little bit of time and freedom, um, while still obviously, you know, meeting your kind of top deliverables that are, you know, kind of get your foot in the door, they allow you to kind of steer your career in a way that um, keeps you really excited about it and lean into the things that you're good at. And I think I've tried to carry a lot of that into RPM um, because it, it, at the end of the day, I mean, we spend so much time working um, as much as we can align the things that we enjoy with the work that we're doing, um, it's going to have way more longevity. And that worked for me at Gore. I love what I did there. Um, absolutely. It was really a, a tough decision to leave. Um, but I've really been able to do that, obviously, with starting our own thing, um, blending our passion of design and training and action sports and outdoor. It's like if you were to have me list my favorite things and put them in a bucket and then call that the company. Um, that's what RPM has been able to become. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, for me, I think, um, it's really on the side where the effect that I can see the training has on people, I think that has, um, played a big role in what I think we're doing with RPM. Um, especially as we've transition more into like a functional fitness space and a CrossFit affiliate, like the, the epiphany that you could see people have when they start this methodology of training is, is really profound to be honest. And, um, and just seeing that in person after person, after, after person, they came through our doors and seeing that the, the culture that it could build and the impact that it was having on people's lives, I think has, transition to a, a really strong mission with RPM and whether that's like helping people solve the, the double ender problem or, you know, now with Adam solving the whole entire, the whole entire 
issue of how do I, how do I get fitter overall? Um, I think that just, you know, working with so many people, I mean, I wrote thousands of workouts over the years at the, at the gym and worked with thousands of people as well. And so that, that obviously will translate into how I deliver what RPM can bring to the community as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and now getting into RPM now, like when did you guys get the idea to start the company in the first place? <laughs> it's I kind of a blur. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. It's good. Um, I think you started, you asked the question earlier, like when did we start training this way? And it's maybe around 2008 is when we started training kind of with this type of training. Um, I had at the time kind of leaned into more like endurance and running and cycling and my peers at the company I was at, you know, they were really into that. So I thought my days of strength training, um, were kind of done. I did grow up like, uh, playing football and strength trained through college. So I was really familiar with all those lifts and that type of training. Um, but Josh was running a gym at the time that was more circuit based, um, when I first graduated. And he was having a hard time getting me in there. And then he, he did a hard sell on um, the training that they were doing, which, at, you know, which was CrossFit. And for anybody that came into it in those early days, um, I was hooked almost immediately. It was, it was kind of played on all the things that I was missing. So the competitive piece, the community, the really putting in a lot of work in a short amount of time, seeing results. Um, that's, that's kind of what got me into it right away. Yeah. I think, um, the, the idea for RPM came about as we saw the struggles, like Shane and I had always talked about like, Hey, let's create a product together. Like that was kind of one of our goals. And, and just through my gym, I could see the problem with jump ropes already, you know, and like, and CrossFit was fast making jump rope a thing for the adults. Um, and it was, and if you've ever tried to do a double under, and if you're not just one of the lucky people who can get it right off the bat, it can be a very polarizing movement. It's very frustrating. Like people throw ropes <laughs> across the room. <laughs> we had ropes in the trees out of the door, like just frustrating. Yeah. And, uh, and we actually had one of Shane's best friends growing up was one of um, the early sort of CrossFit, uh, superstars. And he went to the games a few times and he was at our gym and doing online competition and had a, and a rope issue in the middle of the workout. And then, and we were doing that same competition online. Obviously we weren't as competitive as he was at the time, but, um, we realized like, well, we're, why would we use this crappy jump rope to do this workout when we could use a better jump rope and get a better score. And so we're like, oh, well, what is the best rope out there? And, you know, you do a, a pretty quick search and it's like, it, it was slim pickings at the time. And we thought, and Shane, I think it was Shane who said, Hey, we can make a better one of these. We can make it better. And then we're like, Oh, I like that idea. And so that's kind of where the whole idea for the rope started. Yeah. It also, it didn't start as we're going to create a company around this. It was like, can we make, I, I felt like I could make something for our group in the gym that would make us better in the competition. And so it didn't start as how do we build a company around this singular product? It started as how do we become more efficient in these workouts and not worry about our ropes breaking and how do we get better scores? And what kind of with that mindset, it 
we were able to fail quickly, like make some prototypes, get them on the floor, test them, and then refine that process really quickly because we had the perfect testing platform with all these members in the gym ready to use the product. Uh, and we landed on something relatively quickly that became kind of the foundation of what makes that rope so great. Yeah. You're already so personally invested in wanting to make the product great just for your own training and for, uh, like your, your, the people you're working with at the gym too. You could also see like, we'd buy some ropes that were designed, um, maybe that by somebody that doesn't, didn't have the same experience or wasn't training at the level we were. And there were some gross oversights that were pretty obvious that all you had to do was jump with it once and realize that um, there was a big disconnect from the person designing it and the person using it. Yeah. And um, so you call them speed ropes on the, the website. Did you coin that term for like your, the jump rope that you made or? <laughs> I wish we invented that. I think that's, <laughs> that's uh, just a generalized category that describes uh, a speed rope versus like a freestyle rope or like a boxing rope. So like this okay. rope, there is actually a kind of an underground competitive jump rope community too. Um, okay. Full of like some pretty amazing athletes actually. Um, they, but they use speed ropes and like these bare wire speed ropes for double unders, triple unders, and this thing called speed step, which is they basically run, you know, alternate feet. Um, so yeah, so speed rope is just like a type of jump rope used for a specific, you know, movement. Okay. To give you some context on the rate at which the rope is traveling to, um, the rope with some of these super experienced athletes, they can get it moving at about six revolutions a second. So that, that really, I think, makes you think <laughs> about it a bit <laughs> deeper. And when something's moving that fast, you got to think about air resistance. You got to think about, you know, how smooth the rotation is, different torque angles. So all those things come into play versus like skipping with a rope. Um, which may be what you would traditionally imagine. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would have imagined. Like, uh, I, I had no idea there were even different categories of jump ropes until I kind of stumbled upon you guys. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, how long did it take for you, you guys to like, finally, I guess, get it right with the, the speed rope? I think we're still getting it right. It's maybe like an endless journey. I joke that maybe we've thought about a jump rope more than anybody in history. Like we maybe hold a world <laughs> record for thinking about a jump rope. Um, but I think we nailed on nailed like the foundational principle of what makes that rope so great. Um, probably in the first month or so. And okay. really that, that feature um, we, we filed a utility patent, which got granted around that. And that what makes it so great is you can set the rope down and pick it up and not have to worry about where your handles are located. And you don't have to worry about torque building up in the cable. Um, you imagine this is like a really stiff wire. If you twist the handles and they don't rotate freely, you can almost create a spring out of the wire. So what our patent covers is it allows the rope, the handles to rotate freely around the cable. So you don't build up that torque while still keeping them fixed on the end. And for a workout, like a functional training type of workout where you're setting the product down and picking it up, that becomes really important. And we kind of locked in on that early. Um, and that's been kind of the foundation of what makes that rope so great. And then I think what happened was we were, we really pushed the design um, side of it to get the tolerances as small as possible. So um, we tried to like, 
go very minimalist with a lot of the different components. And so what ended up happening, which I think we didn't really even account for initially was now we've got this system that the rope, the handle is so fine-tuned that every little thing you do to it affects the cable with really minimal um, minimal effort because there's no slop in the system. You just barely flick your hands and the and the rope moves. So it that was kind of a, a thing that was like, oh, aha, yeah, we built this more functional rope, a, a better rope, but actually we just built the fastest rope that's ever been invented too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, I'm curious, how many... Sp- do you know how many speed ropes you've sold, uh, like total over time or like an approximate number? I, I, it's funny. Um, somebody asked that the other day, just like a few weeks ago, and I started to kind of guess we're not at a million yet. So we haven't crossed the million threshold, but we're, we're, we're trending towards that. So <laughs> you have like a ticker in the office. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. I'm sure people would love that. that. Would be uh okay that's okay um and you like to do everything in-house uh correct like you don't in terms of like manufacturing the like jump ropes and like the apparel that you guys have probably um to the extent that somebody would say you're crazy um so we still do a lot of the manufacturing in our facility in our headquarters here in california um we do almost all of our women's apparel um, in in house as well. So we have a whole cut and sew team here. And then we do all of our design. Um, and then we also are doing quite a bit of the fabrication on the new pieces of equipment that we'll talk about with regard to Adam. So yeah. I think there's, there's a number of reasons why that's a great thing and a number of reasons why people would say that's crazy. Um, the reasons why it's great is you can really control the quality and you can be really quick to respond to design changes. Um, and you control the process. Um, but it is difficult and, um, comes with challenges as well. Yeah. Like what, what are some of like the big, big challenges? I think it requires a larger team, right? So it requires more space, a larger team. It requires, um, more complex equipment that you're investing in. So bigger, bigger capital investment up front. Um, requires you to kind of absorb any of the rejects that you produce, you know, because you're ultimately responsible where some of that could be pushed over to the vendor. Um, you're holding more raw materials versus finished product. So from a cash flow perspective, it creates some challenges there. Um, but I think if you can do it that way, there's obvious advantages as well. And it's a- no, nobody's going to care about your product as much as you are and your team. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's like almost adding an entire new uh, other business to your business in order to, you know, manage a, a factory basically. So, and we, yeah. we uh, got, got largely into the apparel cut and sew because of our functional swimwear line. And that was, that's a very, um, you know, there's a lot of nuances to the patterning and stuff on that. So we wanted to really keep that in as close to the vest as possible. And, we didn't, we didn't start manufacturing it in-house, but we started very locally, like literally like within ten, five minutes of our office. Uh, and then when that factory was moving on, the owner of that factory was moving on, we absorbed them. And so we basically brought all of their sewers and all their equipment in-house. And so now we, we have our own little cut and sew factory, which 
um, is yeah, it has some challenges, but overall it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how many employees do you have currently? We have, we're getting close to 40. 40. Okay. Yeah. About 40. Interesting. Okay. And, um, so I guess shifting gears here a little, um, talk to me about like the RPM brand and its evolution. It sounds like you guys are very intentional from the beginning and making the connection between training and action sports. Yeah. I, I think, um, Shane mentioned that we didn't really start RPM with the forward vision initially, but it came quickly. So like what happened was we, when we got that speed rope onto the market, it was adopted very quickly. Um, it was clearly the, the best option on the market and, and, what became clear was that, oh, this is an interesting tool actually to use as the foundation of the brand because it's really the one thing that is being recommended that everybody buy for functional training or CrossFit. You know, it's like you can share the gym's equipment across the board, except the jump rope. If it's not sized specifically for you, then it's, it's a pretty bad experience. And it's really hard for the gym owner, knowing that just from personal experience to keep ropes for all of your different heights of all of your different people and all of the different classes and to keep them in working order. So there's this really interesting um, culture around the speed rope that there isn't around any other piece of equipment, which is like, oh, this is my personal speed rope. And especially if you use that speed rope to master double unders, which a lot of people have with our rope, because it was specifically designed for that. That's a very personal thing. And you don't want anyone touching that because that that's like a pass fail kind of thing on a workout. If you, if you have a bad double under day, then you're, you're not doing well in that workout. And so it's like, this very passion inducing movement combined with this very personal piece of equipment that was as we started to put more design elements into it and we allow people to engrave their names on it and we put you know cool patterns on the rope and come out with all these different colors and stuff it's it becomes like a fun sort of symbol of the lifestyle as opposed to just a tool to do double unders and so i think that made it clear quickly that oh we have we actually have a brand being being built and then as we started to put athletes in our apparel and realizing that a jump rope is also a pretty small piece of equipment that's not easy to show in content unless you're doing close-up product photography and that's not something you want to do all the time so um we wanted to put people in our own apparel and then immediately our love of action sports outdoors the art culture of santa cruz that sort of surf skate you know, um, design vibe, like we were already training in like, you know, O'Neill board shorts and like our Ruka t-shirts or whatever. And it's like, well, there's something missing here. There's a gap here because all of these athletes who are, especially the tip of the spear athletes in surf and mountain bike and climbing and um, motocross and you name it, like these guys are training their butts off, but there's really not a brand that's speaking to this athlete. And, and for every one of those tip of the spear athletes at the top of their sport, there's millions of people, you know, that are weekend warriors that are also identify with that same sort of, you know, activity foundation in their life but like, they're not going to identify with the Reeboks of the world, you know? So, so it was like this very intentional thing pretty early on that like, well, let's, let's just think about every time we make a decision, let's think about making RPM sit right on that perfect intersection of training and action sports. And, and we'd been doing that for, um, oh gosh, I don't know, six, six plus years probably of the company. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's that's super interesting. Like how they're like kind of as someone who like my dad's like crazy into surfing. Um, and like, so I kind of know that that community just pretty well, uh, just kind of being exposed to, to everyone. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting how there isn't really, or there wasn't really a brand that was really speaking to like the training side of, of those athletes in like surfing, snowboarding, skating, etc. Totally. And if you take that even another, like maybe take a broader view of that, it's like, well, what is the foundation, the best foundation for a truly like adventurous, fulfilling life? And, you know, that's going to mean some different things to different people. But I know in our case, like, and we think there's a really strong case to be made for it's, it's training, it's functional training, you know, it's not, and it's not bodybuilding and it's not, you know, endurance racing, you know, it's, it's functional training, this, this methodology that prepares you for basically anything that life is going to throw your way. And what, what better um, application for that than adventure in the great outdoors. And, you know, because that, like Shane was saying, like, if we could put all the things that we love in a bucket and make a company, like can't do much better than, you know, adventure training design. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What were some of the strategies you guys employed to like to market and get the word out about RPM and your speed ups at the beginning? Like, how'd you make like a lot of noise and just try to try to draw attention to what you're building? First, we made the best product. So that that helps because especially we picked a movement, like Josh said, that was really polarizing too. So it was, there was already chatter and buzz going around. If you could do this movement or you couldn't, it's like a pass fail movement. And then if you find that somebody gets that movement and you help them get closer to getting better at that movement, people are going to scream your brand <laughs> through the gyms. And okay. so that happened, that happened, I think even quicker than we imagined. So we, we show, we seeded some product to some of our friends who happened to be some of the best athletes at the time. And then even like lining up to go out to the floor, other people started to realize that, hey, what does this guy have over here? This looks different than, you know, what my rope looks like. And just even immediately following that competition, we had those same athletes like showing up at our booth at one of the events. Um, how do I get one? How do I train with this? And then even um, a quick follow up to that, they would test it and immediately go use it on the main stage, which I, I can't think of another sport where anybody would ever do that. Um, so I think first we made the best product that really had significant results tied to it. And then we just hustled like we, <laughs> we like our small little team, um, including, you know, Josh and I, obviously as co-founders, my wife has been with us since day one. Her brother has been with us since the very early days. We have a very like close, small team that just hit the road and showed up at events and got the rope into people's hands. And almost every time we would joke, if somebody jumped with it, they would buy it. And so we realized we had a really experiential product that we just needed to like pack our bags and travel the world essentially. And we did. So we went to Copenhagen, Germany, like all across Western Europe, all across you know the United States following these events and just getting the rope into people's hands. Um, and I think we could even see if we did enter an area and go to an event, we'd see sales spike in that area. So we knew that this was working. And given that we weren't, we didn't have any funding, we were bootstrapping the business. We just kind of doubled down on like, we're going to hustle harder than everyone and we've got the best product. So we just need to get it out there. 
Yeah. 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 So that, yeah, that makes sense. Cause like you said, your, your product is very, it is an experiential product. So, um, they kind of have to, you have to allow the user to the customer to actually test it. Right. Cause they don't really, they don't really know how effective it's going to be unless they actually buy it. So yeah, that makes complete sense. And I still had no, I still have had no idea like how polarizing these double unders are. Cause I'm, I'm not part of the, the CrossFit community. So when I, I hear you guys talk about like these guys, people throwing jump ropes into the, the road or into trees, it's like, I, I just had no idea. Dude, we also introduced, we, we should get you, well, number one, we'll get you a rope for sure. But if you have a jump rope at your house, you should try it. I mean, you, you know what we're talking about, right? Two spins of the rope on yeah, one yeah. jump. Yeah. And then just linking them together without anything in between. And it's, more of a timing thing than anything else so that can be natural for some people and very unnatural for other people i see yeah yeah Yeah, so if you're like in the in the gym and you see one of your one of your friends just seems to have it down and you're just struggling with it (laughs) yes yeah yeah (laughs) yeah also keep in mind like a lot of CrossFit workouts are for time, for a score, for reps. And this could be like make or break, whether or not you actually get to record a score, because you might get to that movement and just not get further. It's like playing a video game where you keep getting stuck on the same level. Like you don't want to play that video game anymore. So once you beat that level and you're like, okay, I mastered that level, it makes the rest of you know, the experience much better. And so I think we were, we were finding, we were helping people do that quicker. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And now, uh, now getting into Adam a bit, uh, well, actually before we get into Adam, um, maybe just like define, because it's so important to Adam and what you built, define just functional training for the people listening who may not know exactly what that means. Yeah. Broadly speaking, functional training employs movements that mimic real life, right? And so they're not vanity movements. They're not designed specifically for any specific aesthetic change. You know, when you do functional training, you are, your goal is not to, you know, get bigger biceps or get more ripped abs or get bigger calves or whatever. It's totally different. It's all performance-based. So it's like what you shift your focus to is, you know, how much weight can I lift? How fast can I run? How long can I row? How can I do a pull-up? Can I get up off and up off the ground effectively? You know, um, so all of these real life applicable physical tasks are what functional training is designed to make you better at. And there's two great things about that. One great thing about that is that even though you're not focused on aesthetics, they just kind of come along for the ride. And so that's, that's a great benefit. So those aesthetics are just a side effect of the, the capacity that you're building. Right. And then the other great thing about that is that it's so much more, um, lasting motivator. It's not fleeting. Like aesthetic motivation is very fleeting. Like it's, 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 I think everyone knows it's a little bit shallow at, at its core, you know? And so it's, you just, it's really hard to hang your hat on that and grind day in and day out. Like it's like, cause it's when you're going to get really fit and build capacity, it's hard work, you know? And so what's a lot more motivating than that is then the aesthetic part is, is like, 
I want to go from zero pull-ups to one pull-up and then that can become an obsession or I can learn, I want to learn double unders or I want to be able to deadlift X amount, you know, or whatever, or, or just be better than yesterday is basically, you know, as they say. So I think in, in its broadest sense, functional training is, you know, life applicable training. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how did that serve as the foundation for RPM and well, not RPM, the, I guess the creation for Adam. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it comes from the fact that RPM is based in that. Right. And that's, that's right. what our gym, our gym was grown on. Um, that's what our, our community and our culture was kind of grown on. And, and like I was saying earlier, like, you know, th there's also another level to that of like, it's not training just for training sake. It, it's the, the training so that you can do the cool shit that you like to do in life. Right. And so if you, if you build capacity in your training, then you're, you're, you know, that you're going to be able to go crush half them. If you want to go on a big, you know, day hike, or if you want to try and, um, you know, surf, a, a swell that maybe is a little bit out of your league at one point, you should probably train to get, get fitter in order to take that on. Right. And so, or it's even like, Hey, can I, snowboard with my grandkids, you know, like that, that, that's also a very like, um, sort of noble goal that you can put towards your training. And so the, the training is a means to a bigger purpose and RPM was built around that. And we had been delivering that to a small community of, of really passionate, awesome gym members for a long time. And then it just became clear that like how we can have a bigger effect on the world if we can deliver this in a more mass, massive way, right? Like how, and, and there's some challenges that come with that. And, and I think those, those have been seen by CrossFit to some degree, like there, there are some challenges with functional training that don't make it as easily democratizable as some other modalities of fitness. And so, um, we just set out to solve some of those. And, and I think, um, you know, for that, that makes it really exciting for, for what Adam can do, because we think that like there can be large, big impacts made on the world by bringing the methodology to a lot more people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what, what is Adam? <laughs> Adam is the most effective at home training solution ever developed in a nutshell. Okay. And obviously there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. But it, in its components, you've got the gear that you need, the tools you need. You've got the training, the programming, like what workouts you're going to do with that gear. And then you've got the instructional content to teach you how to do it. And so those three things coming together in a package are what make it so powerful. Okay. It's also the, the things that build community and make this a lasting thing and not a fleeting sort of new year's resolution is we know we've been training this way, you know, for over a decade now. Um, and like Josh said, one of the things is not everybody has access to an amazing gym, like the gym that we had. So bringing that in the home and that as close to that experience as we could deliver in home using some of the best coaches and best content in the world. Um, we're, we're incredibly excited for more people to be able to experience that. Yeah. 
Can you maybe provide like an overview of what the Adam class experience might look like for the person listening? Like what is like, what might their setup look like? Like how long are the classes? Like how are they coached during the class and so on? I think maybe to back up even before that, before the class, like how do people come into Adam? And maybe we could start there. Yeah. So let's take somebody that maybe has no experience with strength training, no experience with functional training. Um, if they came to us and said, Hey, what, what dumbbells do I get? What, what equipment is important? Where do I get them? What training program do I follow? It's like a very complicated discussion to have. And there's few people that could probably even guide those, those interested athletes kind of through that journey. And so when you think about what we're delivering, we're, we're hitting kind of each one of those touch points. So take a consumer or an athlete that's just like ready to dip their toe in. We have a process where we send them through a small onboarding to get a sense of their baseline fitness. And then the outcome of that is we're able to recommend a gear kit. Um, and we can talk more about like our different levels of gear kits, but basically a, a well-rounded out gear kit at an amazing price. And then from there, um, the gear kit, we're also able to tell you what weights we'd recommend for each piece of gear. And then, so that, that solves for the gear. And then the next step is how do you make sure that the programming you're follow is, that you're following is specific to the gear that you have. And for anybody that's like tried to do a YouTube workout or find something online, I mean, nine times out of 10, you'll find they'll program a movement that you don't either have the space for or the right equipment or the right weight. So again, by taking everything and being nearly vertically integrated, um, we're able to control the programming where you log on each day, you know that the workout you're going to get, not only is it appropriate for the equipment you have, but also your workout that you see is set up for you. So um, maybe Chase, you and I and Josh may all have different variations of the same workout um, and not different by movement per se, um, but maybe different by load um, where we could all experience the same sort of class um, but would be scaled or um, effectively altered based on our where we are in our, our fitness journey. And so that gets you kind of into the program. Um, we have a really amazing on-ramp program that's coming. So for somebody that's new, um, kind of a sequence of classes and um, to kind of get you familiar with the different movements that may be new to you. And then really all you do, once, you once your workout's configured, you press play. And we have a full class. Um, we have one of the best coaches in the world. Um, we have a number of great coaches um, that are coaching these classes. And think about it more like a live class. There's three athletes on camera that represent different levels, different points of where they are and kind of their fitness journey um, and different kits. And you can just follow along. And um, it, it, the movements are broken down. Um, the warm-up is broken down. And then you get right into the workout. Um, you kind of follow along with the coach. And at the end of it, you log a score. And once you log a score, um, that's when the, the community piece really kind of kicks in. There's um, a leaderboard, um, which we could dive into. There's everything that you'd imagine from like a social connected piece where you can comment, you can like, you can see where your, where your buddies are on the leaderboard. And yeah, that's, that's kind of the experience. What did I miss, Josh? Um, no, that was great. A great summary. Uh, I think one thing that's super cool is that whether you're a brand new beginner or a seasoned athlete, there is something for you in the content. So like the new person is going to 
one of the problems that we're solving is that there is a little bit more uh, technical skill involved in some of the movements that we're prescribing, you know, and so, but with the follow along classes, you really get to see not only the person demoing it, but a really experienced coach teaching you how to do it. And so that person has kind of got their hand held through the whole entire thing. And then they, you kind of like, I think um, seasoned and athlete and beginner alike will feel less alone in their garage while they're training, you know, as compared to you, how you normally would if you didn't have the content running. So that's really cool. But then for the seasoned athlete, what's really fun, and this is what we've found really fun is that um, there's that little competitive edge is that you're going to start learning the different athletes that you see cycle through the different classes. And we've got all a variety of levels. And so there's bound to be some people that kind of fall within sort of your your zone as far as a level goes. And so you've now got what we're calling these rabbits that we can chase, you know, so you've got you've got that class environment, you know, vibe in your garage because three, two, one go happens and you've got an athlete on screen who you're like, oh, I want to see if I can stay ahead of that person. And there's that extra little motivating factor, which actually is it really um, it makes a bigger impact on the experience than than you might even think. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And so is that, is the idea for the person who's doing the class to, to like watch it as they're working out or, or they can just listen to it in their headphones and then like look at it when they need to. It, it depends on the component. So one of the great things is that the, this type of training is very, um, there's a lot of variety involved. So no days are very different from one day into another. And then throughout the actual class itself, there's going to be times when you can actually really watch the person, the coach on screen and the other athletes um, and, and sort of mimic their movements um, to try and improve your technique. But then when you actually get into like a conditioning, you know, sort of like intense, quote unquote, intense part of the workout, and you're actually pushing your pace and you're getting really tired you're probably not staring at the video the whole time, although you can check in. It's like always kind of there. If you're trying to watch an athlete, you can kind of like tell where they're at. But what's more valuable there is at that point, then the audio becomes a lot more valuable because then you can hear the coach talking about, um, you know, either motivating you or talking about where you are in your timing. Or um, if it's an interval workout, they're keeping you on pace. Um, or they might be just doing a play-by-play as to where the other athletes on screen are. So you don't actually have to look up and find out where anyone is because you've just got a little report from the coach. So um, I think it's a little bit of a mix of both. Right. Even, even in a live class setting, it's pretty similar where you kind of out of your peripheral know where some of your buddies are maybe that you're racing, but you're not staring at them. And like even today, I heard um, one of our friends who was in the content, I heard the barbell drop. And I knew where he was in the <laughs> movement awesome. just based on that. I heard clink, clink, clink. And I'm like, uh, I know, I know where he is right now. And that's not the coach calling out anything, but it's those little, those little cues that make you feel more engaged and less alone. Yeah. Are all the, are all the classes like live in terms of like, um, like other athletes doing them at the same time as you? So they're doing them. The, so not, not live, live. Um, they, they track really closely to when they're released. So within, you know, a very short period of time, but it's not like, um, they're not live in that moment. Um, right. but that being said, they are single take, um, very like as real as you could imagine, um, it, much like a real class and what 
that results in is some solid humor, uh, makes it quite entertaining, um, less highly produced, but not feeling overproduced, where it feels really real. And one of the things um, one of um, the early athletes that tested this said was like, you know how I knew this was going to work is when I started to laugh at some of Pat's jokes. And I think that sums it up so well, because even if you're not really, you feel way more connected than you would imagine um, until you take the class. And if you're laughing at his jokes and you're following along, um, it definitely removes that, that, that bit of the grind that you have to do in your cold garage by yourself. Yeah, hundred percent. And, uh, so talk to me a little bit more about the, like the onboarding process for someone like new into, into fitness and stuff like that. Like how, like, how are you, like, how are you onboarding them? Like, I mean, they tend to do like a set, like a set workout and then, or like doing like a survey, like how does, how does that look? Yeah. So the, the way people would be introduced to the onboarding, so they'd first kind of land in Adam. Um, they get asked a series of questions and they really start with, you know, really basic questions like what's your current experience with functional training? And it ranges from like complete newbie to super experienced. And there we kind of walk you through that process and have definitions for each one of those things. And based on how you answer those questions, we're able to serve you more more targeted questions, right? So through this list of what seems like, you know, a short list of questions, it's actually um, really catered towards you based on how you've answered the previous questions. And that takes about, you know, the questions themselves maybe take about three to five minutes. And then we have a short little capacity test, which is one minute of push-ups, one minute of rest, one minute of air squats. And those push-ups can be scaled. Um, we have different scales. So it could be knee push-ups, could be standard push-ups and squats could be, you know, scaled as well. And then once you log your score, um, that allows with that, and then kind of the way you've answered the previous questions, we're able to get not a perfect, but what we think is like a good enough baseline to recommend what gear you would need. And really that's, that's the main purpose because we want to make sure that the gear that you start with is appropriate based on kind of where you are today. Um, it doesn't mean not every piece is load dependent and reflected by how you answered those questions. So let's say you're training in the program and you're getting stronger. We can tell you interesting things like, you know, your, your strength number, every time we have a squat day, you know, you're ranking an X percentile of all the people kind of in this, this level, um, you should consider upping your dumbbells from forties to fifties. And it's not like you have to buy a whole new kit. You're able to like incrementally add pieces of equipment as you go through your own um, journey um, and kind of grow inside of Adam. Got it. Got it. Okay. And what is the, we haven't talked much about the gear. Would that, would that be helpful to that was just, yeah, tell was... you kind of what those kits are? Yeah. So we have three levels of the kit. So our first kind of kit is called Axis. And Axis is a plyometrics box. So think about like a, a 24, 20, 30 box that you could rotate and jump up on. So okay. plyometrics box, um, dumbbells, a set of dumbbells, a kettlebell, a sandbag, resistance bands, like some mile, mile ball, foam roller, kind of some recovery tools, um, jump rope, obviously. And that's, that's Axis. And then the step up from that, is fly 
which with fly, you get a pull-up bar and gymnastics rings. So that allows you to get overhead. Um, so everything that you had in access plus the pull-up bar and gymnastics rings. And then the step up from that is barbell and plates and that's power. And like along the same lines of where you are able to upgrade your weights as you get stronger, you're also able to upgrade your kit as you become more experienced or you want to dedicate more space or right. um, you're looking for a great Christmas present, whatever the reason is that you want to grow your kit, um, you're able to add on your kit as well. And then we know what you have in the system. So when you log on, we're going to show you the access version of the workout, which is, you know, without the pull-up bar and rings. And if there is a movement in there that is pulling, like say pull-ups or um, ring rows, we're going to modify that based on the equipment you have. So you'll still have a very similar workout to the person that has access or that has flyer power, um, but slightly altered based on the gear that you have. Right. Right. Okay. And what is uh what does the pricing look like for, for like each kit and the, I guess the platform overall? We have been able to be pretty aggressive on the pricing. We have an amazing offer going right now where it's 20% off for founders pricing. So our current kit right now, Axis is, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you know off the top of your head? Is it 9.95? Set. Sorry, there's so many numbers. I'm trying to keep them straight. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it's 7.48, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's a good question. We should check. But under a thousand dollars for access, mm -hmm. under twelve hundred dollars for fly, and under fifteen hundred for power. Um, don't quote me on those. Um, but we also have financing available through a firm. So if you do want to do a monthly payment, it's really easy. We have a twelve month financing that make your payments, you know, incredibly low, um, less than a traditional gym membership, um, and then you end up at the end of that with a home gym. It's been confirmed. Seven forty nine, nine ninety nine, and fourteen ninety nine. Okay. And then maybe I'll just tack on to what Shane was talking about with the gear and the sort of specific components. But they these we didn't just slap an RPM on all this equipment. We put some like pretty um, innovative design efforts into a lot of these pieces. And so for instance, like our, our plyometrics box is, is our concept. It's, it's called an exo box and basically has this exoskeleton around the outside that has these rounded corners. Um, and so they, A, you're less likely to trip on it when you're jumping, but if you do, you're not gonna gash your shin open, which is a problem with current plyometric boxes on the market. Um, it also protects the box from wear and tear. And we can also do some really cool things with design and people will, will see that very shortly as, um, as some of those uh, start to get released. And then on the dumbbell side, which is maybe the thing I'm most excited about, like we are using in the functional fitness world, we're using dumbbells in such a different way than a dumbbell was ever designed to be used by, let's say a bodybuilder that most of the functional fitness world is still using bodybuilding dumbbells, but they're not really ideal in, in many ways. And so what we did is we, we said, how do you make the perfect functional fitness dumbbell? And what we did was we took the grip and we made it a standard barbell grip with this knurled handle and, uh, a, uh, um, consistent, um, 
diameter all the way through. So it's just like holding a barbell, which is great for cycling and high volume movements that we do. Um, and then we took the, the heads of the dumbbell and we created like this, uh, what we're calling a squircle shape, which is kind of like this cross between a circle and a square so that the dumbbell don't roll away from you if they are on the floor, but they also provide like more, a lot more contact point comfort. If you're like doing a farmer carry or a front squat or something to that effect. Um, we've designed a really cool pull-up bar that adjusts for, you can fold it all the way up against your wall to get out of the way, or you can adjust it to different positions depending on your height. Um, so just all the way down the line, we've put some really um, interesting design elements into each one of these pieces that I think people are going to be really surprised by when they start to, when it starts to get out into the community. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really cool. I would never have thought like, you can make design changes on something like a dumbbell or, or, or a barbell. Like it's always felt like, Oh, this is just how these things are. And they, how these are going to look like I've never even thought twice that they could even be redesigned. Also, I think nobody has really looked at this, taken a step back and looked at it as a family of products and just kind of going back to what we had talked about earlier. Like that is our background is product design. And like, if this thing is in your garage or, you know, in a place where it's being showcased, like you want it to look like it fits, fits your home. And I think we've made strides towards that while still not deviating from the things that make a barbell, a barbell and a dumbbell, a dumbbell. We've made changes where um, we felt appropriate um, without ruining something that's been time, time tested. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I want to go back to the, the leaderboard and how, how that works. Well, I would love to know just kind of more about that. Yeah, we could probably, <laughs> we could get into some really granular detail on that. Um, it probably depends on, um, your list, your audience. Um, but in general, um, for anybody that's done a workout in a traditional CrossFit gym, there's generally scaled, which means, you know, you've modified the movements or RX, which is as prescribed. And you, you basically it's binary, you choose one or the other. And what happens with that is there may be a workout where say you can do 90% of the movements at the RX level but there's one movement, even double unders, as an example, that you just can't do or muscle ups that you can't do. And then to end up on a leaderboard, um, you, if you're not RX, then you automatically fall to scaled. And so kind of keeping that in mind, and this is kind of the world that we've lived in for the last decade, thinking about like, what is the best experience for the athlete? And that's being able to modify the workout at each component level. Um, most that makes it most appropriate for you. So let's say um, you have pull-ups, but the deadlift weight is really heavy and you can go level one, which would be, you know, tipping pull-ups, but level two on the deadlift because your strength numbers aren't quite there. You're able to configure the workout. And in doing so, we assign you a difficulty score, which we can dive into in more detail, but you get a difficulty score based on how you configured your workout. And then the end result is either, you know, a workout could be for time or for reps. And so it's a combination of your difficulty score and your reps or your time that determine your placement on the leaderboard. And then with that, you kind of, you can break out, we have a four level system. So level one, two, three, four, with one being the highest, you can filter the leaderboard by level. So if you just want to see level one athletes, you can filter it by age, by gender, 
um, through a number of different filters of very soon through your own filters. If you just want to see your buddies, um, you can create groups in there. So it's, it's a really scalable way to leaderboard um, that makes it really personalized too. Okay. So like it's this difficulty for like that specific person, right? Like if you use like the person who just uh, used, I don't know, 40 pound dumbbells versus you using 25, um, like it's, it's scaled for that, for each person, right. In terms of the difficulty. Yeah. And I think yeah. the, the, the beauty of it though, is we're not determining what that difficulty score is. The community is by how they're configuring their workouts. So if it's easy, if it's easy, everybody's going to do it that way. If it's something that's really difficult, a small number of people are going to do it that way. And what we're able to do is use the community and how they've configured their workouts to run a distribution of how they've configured their workouts to give you a point-based system on how complex that movement is. We, we do pre-assign levels to the different scaling so that it's clear what you should, if you're trying to configure your workout appropriately, but not every like level two scale is equal to other level two scales. So there's like more nuance than just ranking a list of movements in order from hardest to easiest. Like some movements are going to be like the top level scale is going to be much more difficult than other movements. So like if the top, this is a silly example, but if the top level scale is a 200 meter run, I mean, if, that means everyone's probably doing the 200 meter run. And so when we look at the community and how many people selected that they did the 200 meter run, that's going to be essentially almost everyone. Where on maybe the next very next movement is muscle ups and there's the level one is something that hardly anyone is going to choose to do for that. And so you should get rewarded more if you're doing that level one on that more advanced movement versus the level one on the less advanced movement. And so then when we okay. can take when we can take that uh, sort of difficulty score that has now been determined by the community, not necessarily us, um, which takes a lot of the human bias out of the situation. And then we combine it with your actual score on the workout. So how fast did you do it or how many reps did you get? Right. Now we've got this really cool math equation to land you on the leaderboard in a way that no other leaderboard has ever done, which is a much more meaningful experience for everyone underneath the level one or the RX person. So like in years in other environments, like Shane was saying, especially in competitive settings, you're either the RX or you're the scaled. And that's not, it's not as fun and it's not as engaging for that scaled person because they weren't able to do all the things they weren't able, unable to, or they weren't able to unleash all of their talents on the workout, right? They only, they were forced into this you know, sort of bucket of scaling because they had to change one thing. And so we wanted to get away from that, but then have the leaderboard accurately reflect where everyone landed. And um, we're really excited to see how that, that impacts the, the community and the, and the sort of um, competitive aspect. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I would, like, do, do traditional gyms even have like this sort of a, like cool, complex sort of leaderboard. No one has this leaderboard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking like, um, most gyms like, have a whiteboard. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> yeah. Like I was just thinking like being able to take like this sort of a concept and apply it to like, like not just at home experience, but like at a gym experience, like somehow 
You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's that's actually something we hadn't even hit on yet. So mm-hmm. uh, we, if we think about how we train, you know, we've traditionally trained in our own gym for years and years and years, and it was only really since COVID that we trained more at home. Um, so kind of forward looking how we see ourselves training and I think how largely how our community will continue to train is some of that training will happen in, in our homes. And I think it's just with the right tools and with Adam, essentially making that a better experience, we'll see that continue. There's just some days, you know, you got to take your kid to soccer or you can't make it into the gym for whatever reason where there's other days where you want to actually go into your physical gym and do the workout. And so we have um, our delivery of Adam will also be coming inside the gym. Um, And we've started that process with um, one of our head programmer and our head coach. Um, We've partnered with them. They run a program that does deliver in gym training for years and has hundreds of affiliates that have been part of their program. And so Adam will be rolling out to those affiliates first. Um, But that's the right way to think about it is some of this will be in gym, some of it will be in home. And the leaderboard is kind of, and the community is that common thread where even if you did the workout at home, you could still see what your buddies did in the gym that day. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's that's super cool. Yeah, I I love this leaderboard concept. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Cool. So, uh, shifting gears here again, um, want to talk about, want to make sure we talk about the 10 K challenge and, uh, and what that's all about. So what, what is the 10 K challenge and how did that get started? So it obviously comes from our roots as a, you know, a, the reinventors of the jump rope, basically, um, years ago, we put out this fun social challenge that like to see if people could do 10,000 double unders in a month. And it got some traction on social and was, we had a lot of fun doing it. Um, this was like eight or nine years ago, I think at this point. And, um, and then we recognized that it was actually a really cool community, uh, thing that has started to happen every year. And so we turned it into a charity event. And so now it has gone from this fun little social thing to this global event that we put on every year where we task the community with completing 10,000 double unders or single unders as a scale or any combination of their, you know, of the two um, in 30 days. And all the proceeds go to our our charitable arm of the company called uh, the Iron Compass, which supports programs that provide uh, fitness and mentorship to underserved and at-risk youth. And so um, it's a really great cause that we're super passionate about. Um, and the challenge itself is actually super fun. So what's cool about it is that 10,000 number over the span of 30 days equals to about 300 reps a day. And so it's it's a challenge, but it's also doable. But it's only doable if you're really consistent And so what we end up getting is people just try and the jump rope is something really easy to travel with. So you just, you got to take your jump rope everywhere you go. And so if you're on vacation (laughs) in Disneyland one week during the challenge, you better be getting your jumps in at the hotel. Or if you're, you know, on, if you're camping, then you're probably jumping at the campground. And what ends up happening is uh, we get really fun 
participant content from all over the world in these really oh, I'm sure, yeah. know, silly, silly places that they end up jumping in. Um, and last year we had over 4,000 people participate and from 38 countries, I think, uh, 300 teams were created. Um, we've lo- we logged almost 30 million jumps last year and then uh, ended up ultimately raising $130,000 for our charity. So um, really fun thing. We expect it to be a lot bigger this year. And we actually think it has potential to be a really powerful force in the lives of a lot of kids across the country. That's awesome. And uh, so is it January? that it yep. kicks Starts off January 3rd registrations open right now. And one of the really cool things about it this year is that we have the Atom platform ready to go. And so the 10 K challenge gets to be run through Atom, which is going to make the user's experience a lot more fun and yeah. a lot um, more, uh, um, I don't know, a, a lot cleaner because you're going to have uh, leaderboards and, and the app that you can move through and just, you'll be able to log your jumps on, on the Atom platform and then um, kind of see your progress. And so that's going to be really cool for people. Yeah. It's a very advanced, technologically advanced charitable <laughs> dashboard. I don't know that that's being done anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. 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 It probably also probably also helps to have one of your speed ropes too for the challenge 100 <laughs> percent. yeah yeah one of our athletes i don't recommend this to anyone 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 but one of our athletes completed the ten thousand in two and a half hours something <laughs> like that last year which is unheard of um that's crazy so yeah just to go back to how fast this rope is traveling and how amazing some of these athletes are yeah that number is incredible and we had a few other athletes kind of spread all across the world kind of racing her as well so Mm -hmm. that's that's one of the really cool things is it really has become a worldwide event yeah that's awesome well cool um what's uh like backing backing out a bit what's your ultimate vision for rpm as a company uh i think it's evolved a little bit. Um, for a long time, it was, you know, bridge the gap between training and action sports, you know, as a high level vision for RPM, like become that brand that's supporting this community of athletes and people who love the outdoors and, and, you know, have kind of that adventurous spirit. Um, but also know that they need to put the work in to, to keep that lifestyle up. Um, and I think that's still, obviously is relevant. Um, but I think now with Adam, I want to broaden that to a mission of just bringing this methodology that we know and love to more people all over the world and, and just helping democratize functional training in a way that's really meaningful. And so I think that's, that's kind of what I'm focused on now. Um, just, you know, supercharging lives all over the world. Awesome. Anything to add, Shane, to that? Or I think, no, I mean, we know we've been training this way. We've been, we are on the platform training. I, I started this call all sweaty because I literally was doing the workout right before I came in here. You probably heard us talking about it, um, yeah, yeah. but we know that this works and we're just so excited to bring it to so many people who one, maybe for one reason or another, 
hasn't felt like it was a good fit for them. And so could be bringing it into their home, bringing it to an affiliate that's close to them, but just lowering that bar and barrier of entry and getting more eyeballs and more people on this type of training because we know it works. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Uh, now getting to these last uh, handful of questions here. Um, what's it been like as brothers to work together as co-founders for all these years? I uh, wouldn't change it for the world. Definitely not. I, when I opened my gym, I was like, so anti-partner. I was like, Oh, I'll never have a partner. I'm just gonna, I, you know, that just gets messy. Da, 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 da. But as soon as I saw an opportunity to work with Shane, that was a no brainer. And obviously um, neither one of us has regretted that decision at all. It's, it's been awesome. People ask us if like, do we talk outside of work hours? What is Christmas and Thanksgiving like? And I think that there's never, I mean, regardless of the day, whether our kids are getting together or we're talking about work, there's not a day that goes by where we don't like have some sort of interaction. And for anybody that is doing this alone, um, it's lonely, right? And starting any business, there's ups and downs and having somebody there that you trust 100% makes, makes moving forward a lot more palatable. Right, right. That's awesome that you guys have had a you know, pretty great relationship through, through as, as co-founders and uh, has this not really affect like your personal relationship too, from what it sounds like at least. Yeah. And thank God for our kids. Cause otherwise, you know, we would never shut up about work probably at, at family functions. It's so <laughs> sort of bring it back, bring it back home. Yeah. 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 For sure. Let's say we meet again on the street in five years. What would you want to be telling me that you've accomplished or created since this conversation? It could be personally or professionally. I want to talk to you about all your scores on a leaderboard and <laughs> see, see all the people that you've brought in. Um, so yeah, that, that'll be my answer. Okay. Josh. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I can top that. Um, uh, I think I would like to say that Adam has become a household name, I suppose would be my, our Adam and RPM have become a household name because we've been able to reach so many people with the, with this type of training. Awesome. What does your daily routine look like? <laughs> That's very unpredictable. Um, maybe slightly more so for Shane. He ends up, you know, sort of like glued to his desk a little bit more than I do, but I think it's, it's day to day. Um, we're co-founders. Shane's the CEO. Um, I'm the CCO. So obviously we do have a, a pretty clear um, delineation of responsibilities, but because people see us as the co-founders, we are, we are, have a line, direct line of communication to everyone at the company, like all the time. And so um, it can be really, really different from one day to the next, especially because right now we're, we're creating content on a regular schedule. So sometimes it's a whole day of shooting someday. I, I write all the copies. So some days I just spend in front of my computer writing um, some days it's out scouting a new location or photo shoot or, you know, whatever. So, um, day to day it's, it's different. And actually I wouldn't have it any other way. 
I'm not like a sit in one place kind of person. So I actually don't even have a, have a desk currently or an office at this point. So I basically am, I'm like the permanently mobile um, co-founder. So sometimes I'll come in and sit at the couch at the office and sometimes I'm in my Jeep working and sometimes I'm at our studio. So, yeah. Shane? Mine, mine's kind of changing even in the last few months. So I got to, for fun, it was really fun. I got to like play engineer for a while as we were bringing all these new products to the market, which I'd say leaning back into kind of the core of some of my strengths. Um, once we, we've continued to evolve the rope, but much of it, you know, it, it's not as day-to-day -day engineering as you would expect if you're continuously bringing new products to market. So for the last year, it's been really fun, like reimagining some of these pieces, working with our amazing team of industrial designers and engineers to bring them to life and then coordinating the supply chain. So now that the stuff is here, um, it's largely um, all the other operational components that you'd imagine. So our team has grown. So I had a big hand in making sure we picked the right people and our, we have an incredible team, which we could dive into in more detail, but we have grown a lot in the last year. Um, so I had a big hand in that, both making sure it's a good culture fit as well as a good skill alignment and then helping those folks onboard, um, having a really strong hand still in the technical pieces, whether it be, we are largely now, um, we have a big software component to our business. So we have a number of software engineers that are building all the apps internally. So I'm heavily involved there. Um, and just kind of overall team oversight. So I think to put it simply, like we always joke, like if it's fun, Josh is doing it. If it's not fun, I'm probably doing it. And if you're having fun, like you're doing something that's fun and you're like, oh man, this is so fun. Where's Shane? It's like, oh, that's, that's why Josh is there. <laughs> so photo shoots, working with athletes that falls into Josh's camp. I'm definitely more on the finance operations, um, engineering technical side. Yeah. 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 Are you, do you both, uh, like are both early risers? I assume you probably, you guys probably work out every day too, or almost every day. I think I'm anybody an that by, by nature, um, ironically, I, I ran a gym for a long time. And even before I ran my own gym, I worked at other people's gyms. And so I had 6am clients for basically my whole life, but that goes very against my like natural sort of biological clock. I'm more of a night owl. Um, so I like to work at night, um, but I'm, you know, I've been better about being disciplined about going to bed at reasonable hours so that I can get up, you know, and not be too lacking of sleep. Um, but yeah, I think uh, our, the workouts have been, um, we pretty much work out every day, but it's uh, sort of what the day looks like, depending on when that actually happens. Right. I like, like, I like a desk. I like more structure. And this is, this is kind of maybe what, when we go through these questions is why we work as co-founders is <laughs> because we, we have a lot of similarities, but then some, um, some things where we're wired a little bit differently. I would like to have more of a routine, you know, and wake up at the same time every day, but you know, sometimes life doesn't allow for that. I do have three little kids, a one, three and a five. So my routine usually is waking up, trying to figure out how many children are in my bed and then helping <laughs> them get ready for school and then um, sneaking training in um, wherever I can. And usually we block kind of that noon hour 
Um, and we did it even at our old gym, we would all, our whole company would break at noon. We'd all go work out together. So we've kept that uh, as much as possible, um, through, through the growth of the company as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And then, uh, as is the name of the podcast, the driving force podcast, what do you think has been your driving force throughout your life? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, I think it's obviously probably evolved throughout my life. So most of my life, it was um, just doing my best at whatever endeavor that I was taking on. So I just, I always feel like I want to feel like I I put everything I could into it, um, left no stone unturned. But I would say, you know, for most of my now adult married life with kids, my kids are a hundred percent my driving force. Like everything I do basically comes back to doing it for them. So I think that's I, when it really comes down to it, they're what they would are what drives me. Awesome. Shane. That, that's a hard one to follow. If I say anything other than my kids, <laughs> that, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's, it's totally true. And I think being a role model for them as well too. And what is it like teaching what it looks like? Our kids have the luxury of having a lot of exposure to what it's like to start a business, run a business, grow a business. And I think what I think they will see that comes of that is a lot of really hard work and dedication. And, you know, it's putting in um, the hours to, to last longer than most folks can and re- building resilience and all those sort of things. Josh's kids have traveled to events with us. They work with us. They're a little bit older. And so they've got some great exposure to that. Um, so I guess maybe in summary, uh, it is being a good role model for your peers and for, for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And then lastly here, before we wrap up, what parting words of wisdom would you like to leave the aspiring entrepreneur listening? Uh, there's going to be ups and downs, but just get back up when you get down and don't give up. And I, I'd like to coin it as my own, but it's really, it's um, Nick Woodman, that, but the founder, CEO of GoPro. But if you can align your passions with your work, you're just going to have more, more resilience, more energy to put into it, more insights. And I've seen this with other companies that I've started over the years. If it's not something you love, if that bucket that we described doesn't consist of all the things that you and your own personal beliefs fit into, you're going to burn out. So really picking something that you're really passionate about and you just come out with such an upper hand. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome, guys. Uh, Shane, Josh, thanks again for coming on the show. This is great. Thanks for having us, Chase. That was fun. Where can people go to find you guys online? You can find us at rpmtraining.com. You can also find us on Instagram at rpmtrainingco and um, follow our journey. You could also um, sign up for Adam right now. We have a three-month free trial. So get in there, um, test it out. If you have questions, we have live support. We've got all kinds of people to help you through the process. 
So really, uh, listeners, get in there. We want to see you on the leaderboard, and you'll see us there. Um, so also, yeah, get on the site and get a jump rope, and then sign up for the 10K challenge, which will be a great introduction to the whole RPM Adam experience. Awesome. And y'all can also visit my website, chaserosa.com, and follow me on Instagram at chaserosa4 for updates on new episodes. Thanks to everyone who's listening, and see you next time.